to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Today we're preaching out of Romans chapter 12. But before I I go into the sermon, I just want to say that uh, Mumbai sends its love, the church there, the church family, which is a part of this family and we, we are just so, uh, just so happy to be back, and uh, here we are. So we're going to be preaching out of Romans chapter 12, and we're talking about building the church. We're going through a series, and I, I know already that you would have already had some amazing teaching on that, so I hope I can pick that up. Um, first thing I want to do is talk about the template that I'm going to use to go through Romans chapter 12, um, verses 3 to 5, and... Uh, show you what we kind of use back in Mumbai in our church as a way of going through a scripture like this and understanding it for our own application. So I'm going to start with what's called the five-chapter gospel, the five-chapter gospel. So here we go. It's, it's, it goes like this. Creation, fall, redemption, renewal, restoration. And don't worry, stay with me. I'll explain to you what this all means, but I'll go, I'll say it again. Creation, fall, redemption, renewal, restoration. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to now read to you the scripture that we're with the, the passage that we're reading from, and then I'm going to work through how this template works and how it applies to our lives. So first, let's read from the Bible. If you've got a Bible or whatever, or if you'll see it come up on the screen, it says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 5. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith, God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, if we look at this passage and we imagine the reason why Paul would have written this to his readers, there must have been an issue where some were using their gifting uh, and their abilities to Lord over others, and some sort of competition had come about as a result of the giftedness and those in the church and the different levels of giftedness in the church. So Paul is trying to explain to them, no, no, you guys have to understand that we are one body, fit together, that we are, that we are interlinked. That's what he's explaining. Now let's just go back to what I was talking about with this this five uh, chapter gospel. Let's start with creation. See, creation we see in this passage is where we see these people as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, as a result of accepting Jesus Christ. We, 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 if we've been around in church for a little while or if you're still exploring church, what happens when we receive Christ, we receive His Spirit and as a result of receiving His Spirit, there are spiritual gifts that we actually get. And we begin to operate in, and a part of our job as the church is to help you all be operating in those spiritual gifts. 
Now just think about that. We don't, we don't deserve anything that kind of that God gives us, but He just gives it to us freely as a result of us believing in Him. I know as for me, um, growing up in the church, as I got more mature and, and spent more time in, in prayer in my personal life and, and in the prayer meetings with with what my dad used to do. Some of you all would know who my dad was. He used to work for this very church a very long time ago. And I began to discover my own spiritual gifts. And uh, out of that is, I guess, how I became a pastor and my wife also. And what a wonderful thing. I, I didn't really ask for it, but here we are. There's these spiritual gifts that are operating for free. Now, if you if you think about Let's go right back. Let's go right, right, right back to Adam and Eve in the garden. How wonderful. God created them and he gave them an entire garden. Creation. He had given them everything that they needed. There was one rule. I just love that. Imagine a world with one rule. Just don't touch that one tree. They managed to mess that up. But there was one rule and they had everything they needed. It was all a gift. But what happened? Well, they disobeyed God. And it's interesting with us and interesting when you look into this scripture, how God had just freely given out these gifts to these people and somehow they found a way to use it for themselves. Somehow they found a way to make it about them, to be selfish. And this brings us into the second part of the five chapter gospel. So we've just we're talking about creation here comes the fall. We, we see the beauty of God. We see the nature of God and Him just giving out to His people. And the next thing, these people are using it for themselves. The gifts that these people had been given were being used as a soapbox, as a covering. Now think about it. Let's go back to Adam and Eve again. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, They needed something in order to cover themselves. And that way of covering themselves was a fig leaf, which was kind of, I don't know if you've ever dressed up in a a fig leaf, but um, I haven't. I'm not planning it on either, but uh, they don't, they're not a sufficient clothing. And, And it's the same is when we use something like our gifts to cover up our insecurities, to cover up our own our own sin uh, to cover up and to make ourselves look better than we actually are this is what Paul was saying is don't think of yourself high, more higher than you ought to remember that you are a human that you are a sinner in need of God's grace bring yourself back to that but we use these things we I, I know I find myself tending to use things and it's not just about my spiritual gifting it's generally in, in, in life, right, we, where, where there can be all sorts of stuff that I use to project who I am um, to the world. But really, it's just covering myself up, right? And uh, that, that can be my, my job, my, my job title, the, 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 the address that I live in, the, the suburb, uh, the car I drive the school that I send my kids to, and so on and so on and so on. These things become coverings. But it's really sad when we see this in the church. 
where we see the vision of what God created the church to be when we read the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, you see this wonderful story of where these people, they meet God. God's spirit is poured out and the early church is birthed and they're sharing each other. They're sharing stuff with each other. Uh, They're even selling their houses and spare spare blocks of land that they had for for, uh, for, for the, the needs of others. I mean, could you imagine a community that is, is doing that was so together, right? And we see the beauty of, of, of God's working through these people. But even in the book of Acts, you'll read that in that creation, the fall came in. You have the story about Ananias and Sapphira, and you have the, the, the conflict that happened between the different apostles, and you, it, all sorts of stuff worked in there's always with the creation there's always the fall and i think i'll just stay on this for a moment because the fall we have to understand will always happen there will always be a brokenness in humanity and in church life in church life how sad is it when we think about the book of acts church and what it was and what we have today as wonderful as it is often i find myself I'll just talk for myself. I'll let you think about this for yourself. But for me, I find myself wanting to hide from people rather than really, truly revealing my own struggles, my own pain, my own sin to others. I would prefer to compete with them. I would prefer to keep up with them. I don't know if you feel the same, but I find myself going down a pathway of trying to be something more than I really am. And you know, Brene Brown, a great author, she, 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 says, she says this, she says that narcissism is the fear of being normal. Narcissism is the fear of being normal. And we find ourselves, and, and society at large these days, to tend, is tending to become more and more narcissistic or selfish. It's all about oneself. Because we are just trying to project, project something through social media and all of the stuff. And I, I get it. It's tough. And we have to be out there and putting ourselves out there to, 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 to kind of compete in this world. But there's this selfishness that is so prevalent. And it's the fall. And it's crept in on in, into the church, unfortunately. But we have to understand as a result of the fall, as a result of sin, in the world and in us, there will always be a fallenness and brokenness that is at work in a church. And some of us need to hear this because you all might have come into a church expecting it to be perfect. Well, unfortunately, that's not the case. I wish it was the case that the church were all perfect, but I know that the moment I walked into it, um, it became imperfect, right? The, you will never find any perfect church. There, there is going to always be fallenness, but we need a kind of a, a metric, I think, for our lives and for ourselves and how to deal with that fallenness. Because sometimes when those broken expectations come in and we, we come into church expecting it to be something and someone hurts us, we don't know what to do with that. It's like, because those people, aren't they Christians? How could they do that? And the, the, throughout church history, there's been splits and all of those sorts of things across the greater church of the, the globe, right? Because of 
the fall, because of the fall. So we need to understand the fall. We need to, it's not expect it, but, but not be surprised when we see fallenness, even in amongst all of the church, not just, not just the members. I'm talking about everyone, all of us, us pastors included, right? The fall. So, so we have this creation, and we have this vision that Paul is trying to, to project to his, to his, his readers, in the, these Romans, right? And he's saying, listen, guys, he's giving them the creation thought. He's giving them the, the hey, let's, let's, you've, been, you've been put together. Each member is for themselves, right? Um, but there is this fallenness there that's crept into it all. So what do we do with that? Well, let's first, just before we talk about what we do with that, let's think about God's overall plan and where things are heading, right? Um, if you look at God's plan for the church, I mean, look at Isaiah chapter 11. This is a prophetic scripture. Chapter 11, verse 6 to 9. And I, this doesn't sound like it relates, but just stay with me for a moment. I'll, 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 I'll explain to you the reason why I'm reading, to this, reading you this scripture. It says, The wolf will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on my on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, as you look at this scripture, you'll see a theme that is running through this. You'll see all of the volatile rivalries between mankind and nature, mankind and animals and and so on, a child and a a viper. These are all volatile rivalries. We know in the the world that if if a Snake bites us. I mean, we're in trouble if it's a venomous snake, right? We know this, but but in this vision, and this is a vision of heaven. This is a vision of God's full overarching plan. This is where all of us are heading towards this, where all volatile rivalry is put to an end. Now think of the church. Think of us, people of God. And for, for those of you who have been in the faith for a little while, Who've seen, maybe you've been through uh, uh, some some church conflict. Maybe you've been through some 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 stuff that you wish you never went through in terms of maybe there was some spiritual uh, abuse and and that you was maybe done to you. You know God's plan when we are fully restored, when we are in heaven is all of these things are laid down. What a beautiful picture. This is where all of this is heading towards. And there's um, another scripture. Um, I, I mean, imagine this. Uh, Revelation uh, chapter 7, verse 9 to 10, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every tribe, uh, sorry, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, 
Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and on to the Lamb. Now there's a church service, but in that church service, it's interesting, you see a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing before the church. Sorry, standing before the throne of the Lamb. Now, think of the world that we live in right now. Think of what's going on between... This, this includes Russia and Ukraine. This includes the US and whatever's going on in, in, in the Middle East and the rivalry between them. Think of these nations all standing before God. See, this is God's plan for the church. Peace. Where all volatile rivalry is, is laid down. Where we see peace on a global scale. This is God's overall plan. And you see, we as the church are the ones that are built together. It doesn't always feel like this, but we are the ones as God's people whom God is going to use to bring this through into the world, right? But it brings me to a question. When I think of God's overall plan and what he has for us and what Paul is trying to teach us here through Romans so that we're built together in order to do this and use our giftedness in order to bring this overall vision and the completion to the world. What do I do with, with, with my relational brokenness? What do I do with my sin? What do I do with the rivalries that I have in my world, um, let's not think about our greater lives. Let's just bring it in to our church life. What, what do I do with that when I'm offended? When I'm hurt by what others might have done to me or when I've hurt them and I don't want to have to deal with that because I'm too proud. What do I do with these things? See, I'm challenged by the thought of standing before God with all of this relational brokenness, this hurt, this offense, and this sin. When I look at God's overall plan, and that brings us to the next part of the five-chapter gospel. So we've talked about creation, we've talked about fall, now we're talking about redemption. Now redemption is where the cross comes in. Here's something that happens when you meet God, when you stand before God. Um, when you stand before God, it's like the greatest day of your life and also the most terrifying experience of your life. And here's why. It's the greatest day of your life because you think, wow, okay, you know God loves me. You read the Bible, you see the scriptures, you may have experienced some sort of worship moment where, where God has just, it feels like you're, it's you and God, right? Amazing. But then you begin to think about your sin. Um, in, in the book of Isaiah, there's, there's this, another passage that talks about how, how, how it's like, I, I saw God and I was terrified and the, and, and the angel brings a coal and touches his lips because he says, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sinner. Uh, it cleansed me, right? And it's like this, this, this mixture of, when we come before God, there's this mixture of terror and excitement because like, well, I'm standing before God, but I'm a sinner, right? And this is where we kind of get stuck as believers if we don't understand this because what can tend to happen as a result of the fall, 
We know we're sinners. We come before God and we say this, well, what must I do? What must I do? What should I do? And if we're not careful that we understand the whole gospel, right, is that it can begin to feel like, well, I need to do something for this God who loves me in order to purchase back from him some my salvation in order to have favor with him. But that's not the way it is. See, when we come to the cross, if you picture a cross, on one side of the cross, if you imagine Jesus on the cross, bruised, beaten, bloody and broken, the crown of thorns on his head, and the, the, the pierced side. and That's a confronting picture. Visually, it's confronting, but it's also confronting philosophically if you think about it. Because it's like, well, why is he on that cross? And why is he like that? Why is he all beaten and bruised and bloody? And why is that crown of thorns there? Why is he pierced in his side? Why is he on a cross? Well, the reason is, is because of our sins because of the volatile rivalry we had between us and God, right? Because of the fall. That's why he's on the cross. Now, that's confronting. Because I don't want to be a sinner. I want to be a good person. I don't know about you, but I don't like the thought of me being a bad person, me being a sinner, me sinning between God and I. I don't like that. But if Jesus had to go to the cross, then my sin must be bad, right? But at the same time as being confronted by that sin, the cross also is our covering. You see, the cross, it exposes us on one side, and then on the other side, it covers us. See, we're exposed by the cross. We're exposed by the nakedness and the brokenness of Jesus on the cross on our behalf. But that is the very thing that was the payment that purchased us our freedom so that we can stand before God as holy and righteous. So it's also the thing that purchases our freedom. How good is that? Our sin at the cross is exposed as well as it's covered. Now this brings us to, and I'll show you how it's connected, to the renewal part of the five-chapter gospel. Because it's only when we understand this part of the, the fact that at the cross, our sins are exposed and covered, that we can actually truly be restored and renewed in the context of church. Now, let's look at it in terms of Romans chapter 12. Let's go to Romans 12 verse 1. It says this, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What's Paul saying here? What, what, what's the author trying to communicate to us in a word when he's talking about in, in light of God's mercy that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice? You know, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice as a response to the grace of God, is simply this. It's a surrender. It's a complete surrender. And surrender looks like this. Even though I'm offended by what that person has done, 
and I want to hold on to unforgiveness and I am struggling, even though I know I should forgive them, I'm struggling with the fact that I just don't want to forgive them because it's injustice, what's been done to me, what's been said, and so on and so on and so on. Surrender is to say, God, I am not able to work this out. I need you to come into my world. I surrender before you. I repent of my sin, of unforgiveness here against this person. And help me, God, to work this out by the power of your Holy Spirit so that I can overcome this sin. That's surrender. You know, a lot of people think of worship, and it is to some degree as a song. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, oh, oh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer myself as a sacrifice before God. I'm going to put on my, my latest top 10 worship songs and spend an hour before God. Nothing wrong with this. It's great. You should do it. And I do it. But, but if you've got some junk in your trunk that you're not working out, like you're still fighting with your wife and that fight's been going on for three months and, and, and you, you, you just don't want to deal with it because every time you do it, it, it brings up some volatile rivalry or whatever, or you've got that, you know, that, that, that thing that happened between you and your kids and you know that you said the wrong thing or, uh, or, or maybe you're younger or there was, there was some stuff that happened between you and someone in authority or, and you know in the depth of your heart that it was sinful, what you did, or there was a disobedience, or whatever, whatever, right? It's not true and proper worship, really, to stand before God and not go and deal with that. Okay, and Jesus talks about this in, in other parts of the Gospels, right? True and proper worship is to really, truly surrender. And to really, truly surrender is nothing but going to the cross and observing it and saying, you know what, I know this is sin and I know that's the reason why Jesus was put on the cross. Repenting, letting the sin be exposed, but moving to faith in the fact that we are covered by the cross and moving to faith in the fact that we are still loved by God regardless of our past, regardless of our sin, if we come to him and repent and we surrender now, when it comes to church, this is what we should be doing in church. But oftentimes, it's human, right? We find ourselves, this is not what we're doing in church. We're just coming, we're worshipping, we're hearing the messages, we're doing all of the stuff and it's all good and all right. But, but, but there's no real transformation because we're not really actually facing up to what God is truly wanting to do in us. Expose. He wants to expose the sin so the sin can be dealt with, right? You've got to get to go before God and surrender. And that's why we read our Bible and it's why we, 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 we need to know where the sin is in our world so that we can surrender before God, it's a, so that we can respond to the gospel, respond to the grace that was poured out for us on the cross. right? And then the second response, so there's the first response is surrender, Romans 12 verse 1, okay, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. The second one is this, which is what this series is about, 12 verse 5. So in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. You see, when we talk about each member belonging to all of the others, I'll, I'll put, it, I'll pull it, I'll put the, the, the challenge to you directly. Do you really feel like you belong 
to the church in the sense that your life is intertwined with all of the others to the point where it belongs? Maybe not. What Paul is basically saying here is there needs to be a full participation in the church in order for the true surrender to come about. And I'll, I'll say this. You'll meet a lot of saints in isolation. right? You'll meet a lot of people who, in isolation, they can talk about love and the Bible and all of the great things of the Bible and morality and so on. But as soon as you put them around people, all of the junk in the trunk is going to come out, right? Uh, I mean, it's much easier to be by yourself in the woods with God in that mountaintop experience, right? And feel connected with God. It's, just, it's when you come back, you have to deal with the kids and you have to deal with the traffic and you have to deal with this and that. But that's when all of the stuff starts to come out. But see, God puts us into the church as one body, completely connected with all the members belonging to each other for, for this reason, that in that full participation that it would bring us to a place of surrender so that we can come to the cross and know what we're struggling with. And this, this applies to our marriage and all of our relationships, right? That we know what we're struggling with. We know what's setting us back so that we can come to the Lord and repent and grow and be transformed. See, this is what Paul was trying to say. Like, you guys, you've gotten all wrong here. You're using your gifts as a soapbox. You've got this sort of narcissistic use of your gifts here where it's all about you and what you can do. That's not what this is about. No, it's about you guys actually being committed to one another, using your gifts to build each other up, and also being fully surrendered and fully participating in the transformational nature of the gospel fully exposed, fully covered at the same time. You see, we have to acknowledge the fallenness of ourselves. We have to acknowledge the fact that each of us have all fallen, but we are all covered as we surrender to our will to His. And why, as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit and as we commit to one another, see, this is how renewal happens. And that leads us to our restoration, which is the Isaiah scripture that I was talking about, where we will be in heaven one day and all of these things will be done. But we are in a process right now of renewal. You know, I'll end with this. Uh, when I first moved to Mumbai, just down the road from me, a CrossFit uh, gym opened up. And uh, so I said, I'll, I'll go to this CrossFit gym. I had no idea what I was up for. And the next thing I'm been told I have to do handstand push-ups and all sorts of crazy things and it was all new to me. I was, it was fun, I enjoyed it. But there was a group of people that I was going with every day, same group of people, and I grew really close to these people. Um, and as I reflect on the reason why I grew pretty close to these people, in fact one of them ended up coming to our church and getting saved, is, is, is because it, well, we were going through trauma together. There was a shared trauma of going to this CrossFit gym and going through and pushing through in things that we had never done with our bodies before together and supporting one another in it. The shared trauma drew us closer together. And you know what? It's the same with church. As we come before God, 
as true worshippers, as we are exposed before the cross and covered before the cross, that shared trauma of that, as we really truly knuckle down and say, God, we want to be transformed by the gospel, by what you're doing. I tell you, God does something special as we're together. So I challenge you with this, and I'll end with this. Commit. Surrender. See how God transforms you. Participate. And see what God does. I'm telling you, this is the power of God at work in His church today. So amen. I'll pray for you quickly and we'll close. Father, I pray that as we are challenged by this sermon today, as we're challenged by the fact that the world is fallen, even the church, Lord, there's plenty of fallenness throughout it. I pray, Lord God, that you help each of us who may be struggling with maybe injustice that's been done against us or maybe some things that we've observed in the church, you know, the church globally, what's happened. Father, we... We come in that lament of that, but Lord God, we also, Lord, in ourselves, we uh, repent of our own brokenness, of our own sin. Help us, Lord God, as we think about this message to commit to you greater. We surrender to you. We commit to one another as a church, Lord God, as we are built together to bring the best out of each other as we go to the Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Love your church. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.